0: Greetings, adventurers. Before we begin today's tale, we'd like to talk about our sponsor for a service that is both useful and important. We speak, of course, of NordVPN. NordVPN is a virtual private network application, basically a magic item with infinite counterspell scrolls that can work against the scrying factions of the interwebs and various protective charms that keep your virtual communication pigeons and messages safe. In a technical sense, it establishes a secure connection to a remote server in the astral plane and allows you to access so much more content from across the world and greater multiverse.
1: We set up our podcasting business while we still lived in the U.S., but after moving to Germany, we saw several problems arise we hadn't expected. Some of the things we needed on a daily basis are region-locked to the U.S., like our banking. So we started using a VPN to securely log onto the banking website until we could talk to our bank about the issue. After two hours talking with them, their grand solution was exactly what we had figured out. NordVPN.
0: But NordVPN isn't only a stoic bodyguard, it also has a fun side. Did you know that a large variety of entertainment is region-locked, like your old DVDs? What's a DVD? Let's not make us feel old, and instead explain that while you're logged into NordVPN, you can stream television shows as if you were in a different country. I mean, realm state. So you might have access to an entirely new lineup of great entertainment from services you're already paying for and subscribed to. NordVPN even unlocked a menagerie of new German horror content we'd never even heard of and are delighted to be enjoying every week.
1: To get the best discount for your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash darkdice. Our link also gives listeners four extra months on a two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you've been thinking about using a VPN or are looking for a newer and safer way to utilize the content you're already paying for—
0: or really paranoid that the silent one is secretly reading your
2: emails
1: give NordVPN a try
2: contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine. erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague ridden world that ours is not a loving god and we are not its favored children the heresies of Radolf Burntwine. coming January 2nd wherever podcasts are available
0: Greetings, adventurers. We have some exciting news for you. We have grown our team to the point where we feel like we can consistently release a new episode of Dark Dice on the 16th of each month. That's right, the 16th. This is all thanks to the generosity and loving support of our Patreon team. That's right, you, our listeners, our fans, we love you. Never in a million years did I imagine that my D&D hobby would become a podcast, nevertheless, one that people would be interested enough to support, so thank you. You, you have our, my sincere thanks, as well as the thanks of the players, actors, musicians, and everyone that we work with. If you happen to join our Patreon, we also have quite a few goodies there, including a brand new alpha of our world book for Dark Dice that we're putting together called Old Tural, the Dark Dice Adventure Guide, which we're adding to each month based on your feedback. Additionally, we'd like to forewarn you, this episode in particular is extremely long. No joke, I'm terribly sorry, this one clocked in at over the length of three normal episodes, but there wasn't really a way to break it up that felt right, given that we also intend to release a mega fun and totally canonical April Fool's episode on the 16th of next month, featuring one of my all-time favorite voice actors, Christopher Guerrero, the voice of Overlord's Einzul Gone, joining us in the hilarity. Oh, and speaking of which, we have a content warning on this episode for some hilarious fake vomiting near the 20-minute mark or so. So as always, please be sure to check the content warnings at the bottom of our show notes before listening to this episode while eating a soup and leaving us a one-star review saying we didn't warn you. Lastly, before we get started, we have a quick word from our sponsors. Today we'd like to introduce you to an actual play comedy horror podcast called Ain't Slade Nobody. A show that, like us, blends tabletop roleplaying with audio drama. Fast-paced with immersive sound design and NPCs voiced by actors, it's sure to win over your heart before it stops beating as Lovecraftian terrors are unleashed upon the world. They already have a full season completed and released, which follows Ellie, a wayward sheriff hunting for her father's killer. And the new season, Y'all of Cthulhu, is a Wild West story arc that just started on March 1st, which releases twice a month. So what's the new season about? Bleecker's Marvelous Medicine Show has rolled into Junction Town and they're recruiting. Join the new blood as they perform for the crowds and learn the darker purpose of the show, investigating strange occurrences that haunt the Old West. New acts include a gender-fluid gunslinger, burlesque acrobat, bookish strongman, stage hypnotist, hapless beastman, and more. Will they find the horror that wanders the dusty trails before it finds them? Saddle up and follow the adventure. Ain't Slade Nobody is freely available on all major podcasting platforms or can be found at com. That's Ain'tSlayedNobody.com
4: Shayless Deepes, Salis
2: Do you seek
1: him?
2: Do you seek him? Do you seek him? Do you seek him? Do you seek him? Do you seek
1: the
0: nameless god? You have found yourself among those who roll the dark dice. What you are about to hear happened long ago. A story brought back from the edge of oblivion, dutifully transcribed, and enhanced orally to better captivate your attention. Previously, a team of adventurers survived horrors in the woods and reached the edge of civilization. Now, with new mysteries to be solved, they looked for ways to aid a dying village. Dark Dice, The Long Road, Chapter 6B, The Worst Kinds of Monsters. When the team awoke, it was already late in the afternoon. Their bodies aching, still fatigued and exhausted. It was the pangs of hunger that pulled them from their slumber. And as they were consuming the leftovers from the previous night, an athletically cut man with tanned skin, a gut, and short dark hair descended the stairs.
5: Morning. Did any of you want bread or rice today, or mm. fresh bath water?
2: Good morning.
5: Uh, where's Ias? He. Uh, well, he left.
2: So soon. I thought he'd at least say goodbye.
5: He seemed in a rush. Which was kind of strange, given our previous discussions about custody of the inn. And said it was important that he not put off bringing the children home any longer. To their new home, rather. I'll admit it sounded kind of suspicious at first, but... uh, He took the kids with him, and his lucky set of hiking boots. Ah, the hiking
2: boots. Hmm. So he's not coming back.
5: Yeah, he made that much
2: clear. So he's sold the inn to you? That's one way to put it. He just left it with you. Yeah, yeah, kind of.
5: No, when he left town to find his son, he he didn't come back. You know. Long after it was assumed he was, you know <laughs> dead. The inn changed hands and was eventually assigned to me. When he came back it caused a bit of a situation dispute, but we came to an agreement. I gave him a couple of days to straighten things out here, and he left last night.
2: Understood.
5: It's real rough out here in these frontier villages of the Brightvale, you know. You got, like, all this wilderness, all around, and very few travelers come through here to trade or spend money. This building is the heart, the lifeblood of Ilmiter's Hope, and it couldn't stay unoccupied. If a village doesn't have a good inn, it's not going to stay on the map for long, and eventually it'll just vanish.
2: Certainly. In a very important pillar of the community here.
5: Thanks. We kind of met last night, but uh, my name is Neddard.
2: Good to meet you, Neddard.
5: Great to meet you. If you don't mind me asking, uh, where do you guys
2: hail from? Oh, I guess we're from all over, really. I'm trying to decide which direction to head next.
5: Well, if you need suggestions, I'm from Auden. Or you can take the other split in the north road to Zaltstadt, or the nearby villages. Or if you go east, there's... I said
2: uh, Ardien, is that near Westman's Hold up north?
5: Uh, well, it's in the same direction, but Westman's Hold is significantly further north. It's like a couple of days, like a three-day horse ride. And on that topic, if you're looking to travel, I have a bunch of wares for sale for travelers, such as yourselves. If you're interested...
2: Anybody for purchasables? I don't know what a
6: purchasable is, being a dragonborn, but uh, I think we're hanging around town for at least a couple days.
5: Well, you want to rent a room for a night, then. Another night will be five silver for all you. Total. Not individually.
6: It's a s- stark increase from last night, but...
5: Uh... I has covered you last night. It's up to you or not. It's a reasonable rate, but you can always sleep in the snow. It's legal.
7: You're uh, a hellshield, right? More or less. So maybe we could trade for services. Glonsorin and myself are well-known monster hunters. No offense intended, Eldrix. Your boss, Nix, mentioned something about a haunted church. Perhaps you'd give us lodging and ale and maybe some food while we look into your ghost problem. And I sternly wink at him with the self-confidence of a woman who's clearly killed countless men.
0: Gale's intense eyeliner and strong intimidation role impressed Neddard, who suddenly seemed to treat her with more respect than the others.
5: You know, I could do that. I would. I would do that in a heartbeat. If you would deal with this ghost problem, you could have a, a, a week free. And I'll try to find you horses that'll take you to Auden. And throw in some stuff from the shop.
2: Well, as
6: long as it's good stuff. Not okay stuff. Not okay stuff.
5: Yeah, yeah. Done.
7: And this lodging would include beer for my brother and my friends.
5: Okay. And beer for your brother and friends.
6: This is a good deal
8: to get rid of your ghost problem.
6: Also, side quest.
8: Yeah, because tourism is such a big trade through here, I'm sure, right now. Mm-hmm. Now, we also
5: had a meeting last night, and the Hell Shields have agreed to throw in a bounty of 20 gold.
8: You
7: really don't like this ghost.
5: While ghost stories are good for tourism... Real ghosts are terrible for business. That church could play an important part of the town's revitalization, but that can't happen while people are getting harassed by spirits.
6: So what information do you have about the ghost?
5: Well, I got none on the ghost. uh, Except that we think it might be joined by a second ghost, or simply be the ghost of a woman who was murdered by a pair of dwarves who stayed here. And uh, defrauded me two nights income. The ones who have the bounty on them.
6: Right. Has anyone else from here or perhaps from elsewhere tried to take care of your ghost problem? Not really. With an insight roll of uh, 14 and seeing his nervous nose scratch, I ask him,
5: "Are you sure?" Well, my uh <clears throat> we sent a few guys, you know, to to confirm that there actually was a ghost problem. Mm-hmm. And uh, there there was. <laughs> we... Lost one or two of them. Now the other two uh, didn't come back. Uh, deserters, I think. Bounty on those spineless cowards. Right.
6: How many? How many of your friends went in to take care, or did they go in?
5: Uh, four, in total.
6: Mm-hmm. What were their skills?
5: Hell shields. So skilled with every instrument of combat. But in this case, two swordsmen, a hammer shieldsman, and a double pendulum specialist.
8: Interesting. Lovely. Well,
6: taking care of the incorporeal uh, is sometimes a difficult thing with a a sword and a shield.
5: I wouldn't know,
6: honestly. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm.
5: But you know, I think there was a... a letter. Uh, The dwarven criminals you're looking for, one of them had a letter here waiting for them when they came back.
6: Really?
2: Did she pick it up?
5: Yeah. Uh, They picked it up.
2: Did you read it before she did?
5: Maybe. You take care of the ghost. We'll talk more.
2: I would never accuse you of mail fraud, but just curious.
5: Well, I might have read some, you know. It wasn't that well sealed, and, you know, steam from washing dishes sometimes loosens those shoddy seals all on their own. An honest slip-up.
2: And you'll only share this letter with us if we successfully get rid of this ghost?
5: If you get rid of the ghost, or whatever it is that haunts our church, I'll tell you what it said.
6: Fair enough. We're, I think, going to look into what's going on in the church and see if there is anything we can do.
8: Good luck. Thank you. Perhaps we could just have a few moments, kind sir. We'll just go over here to this side of the room. Mm
5: -hmm. Yeah, yeah, you do what you gotta do. I've got to go out to pick up your beers.
8: Um. So it appears that everyone is fleeing this town. They want us to go north, and I must admit 700 gold sounds mighty nice split four ways. But I have to wonder, like, why if Lord Percy and Sir Elias, if he's real, are all going south, we, we could just go south and join them again. Glom turns to Gale. He was a... Percy was a good man, Gale.
7: He is. But we have our own task to do now. Our own new quarry to hunt. And I've grown to like our new friends. And I think someone as dangerous as this Rowena should probably be stopped. It's up to you, though. We could just run away, or... (sighs) You know, you could pick up your sword.
8: Glom straightens up a little. I'm not suggesting we run away. I'm just... (laughs) saying.
7: Gale smirks at him. Fine! So, we're not running away, then? Fine.
8: Alright, well what do we know about these Hell Shields, or whatever they're called? They, they seem to be bandits that are sort of taking over, they don't...
7: You said it earlier, they're basically mercenaries. And if House Ozmark is hiring their lot, that technically makes them Men of the Crown, not bandits.
6: As much as they might be keeping order in this town, I feel like it might not be the best for this town.
8: Mhm. And they seem very intent on us getting whatever ghost right. Whatever it is in this church out, for some reason, there must be something down there they want.
2: I suspect it has more to do with them wanting to turn the church into a temple for Ukathe. The old building has strong bones that go back further than anyone living in this village.
6: That was oddly specific, but also logical. Mm-hmm. So we have two working theories about this side quest, and both of them shine a poor light on our employers.
7: Let's remember that we also saw a group of the Hell Shields in the forest that didn't seem to be faring that well. Keep in mind they're quite well known for being skilled in combat, and that it's rare to find them in such a state.
8: Mm -hmm. Yeah. They've been decimated, destroyed, while they slept even, some hadn't even woken. Well, it sounds like we're... going excavating in a church.
7: So, are we in agreement?
8: I think so. Yeah.
7: We're going to the church?
8: Absolutely. Does anybody have a torch? Nope. No, I believe I have three of them. Mom stops and takes a, one of the candles off the off the wall and then walks out the door.
2: But I said I had three.
0: Soren stood in the doorway behind the team for a moment, holding three unlit torches before sighing and following them into the flurry of snow beyond, continuing on their path toward the church.
8: Ildredge. What's our word? Pineapple still? Yeah, yeah. Uh,
6: I think that's what we said.
8: And what if they hurt us? Do we need a new word? What
6: if they hurt us?
8: Hurt us? Like, what if they heard the word? Because I was shouting it in the forest. Well, stop yelling the
6: word. <laughs> okay, fine. Alright, you want another word? Let's come up with another word. I'm fine with the same word. I'm just asking. Yeah, let's, let's, let's go with pineapple. Don't say it! Let's go with the word that you have already said, and now you don't want me to say Alright.
0: as the team turned the corner they saw the remains of the old church silently brooding before them its ancient hollowed stone walls now defaced with graffiti and marks of defecation the aged wooden doors that once formed its entrance were now scattered on the grounds before its shattered frame words carved in common over it burned for emphasis read not these gods never again the windows were broken charred black Whatever stained glass images they once framed lost forever. Only a single band of rope and a curious line of white on the floors stood between them and their passage into the ruins.
2: just going to walk over the rope as casually as possible.
6: No signs of movement from the exterior looking in. The sun is getting close to setting, but I can still see fairly well inside. Main hall has been vandalized, its windows are broken, and Soren's walking in. Come inside. It seems safe for
2: now. The marble statue of Seligon is missing, and the small icon of alluvian that West Pike promised he'd bring back. This This area had a bronze relief that once held hundreds of candles. It's all gone.
6: I suspect that the cuts, uh, bits of hay, charred wood, and beds were not part of the intended design. No.
7: Nor that body back there.
0: Gil pointed to a blackened corpse at the far end of the room, which was made more bare by the partly crumbling vaulted ceilings.
6: Iltrix goes in and, um, I guess, after scoping things out a little bit, goes and checks the the charred remains of that person. This is where the pulpit used to be. (laughs) The corpse appears to be uh, a a female, I think. Dwarven, or else half-dwarven. That right there is a stab wound, probably from a dagger. It's over the heart. Uh, Do you think this was part of a uh,
2: a sinister ritual, maybe? No. No. Uh, Her wrists, while fairly charred, do not show signs of being bound or the sort of scarring you'd expect from an unwilling participant.
6: I feel like she was stabbed first, then burned. Or spontaneously combust after being stabbed. In any case, all of her possessions are fairly useless at this point for identification purposes. Hmm. She's not armed to the teeth, so I feel like this is the woman that we heard about. The murdered one.
2: Yeah. Rousen.
6: I think so. There's also... Uh, it's... It's a slight hint of something in the air. Perhaps this place has been used by people... Hmm. Whoever was here recently might have been doing so recreationally, looking to hide some drug use before the fire. Is hmm. the Greenleaf okay. legal in this realm?
8: What are the exits from this room?
6: So, beyond the entrance and the windows... With a very impressive perception roll, I start moving a few paces from the corpse. There might be some sort of hidden door over here, directly beneath Glom. I don't know. There's a. Uh, it looks like a seam on the ground that I think I can pull up.
2: Perhaps that uh, crypt that was spoken of.
0: Ildrix blew the dirt off the seam, and with a mighty and swift motion, lifted the trap door, revealing darkness and a set of old wooden steps leading down through it.
6: There's no other way out of this building. Any, uh, anybody fought a ghost before?
8: Ghost? Bah! It's just someone or something they're afraid of, and Glom goes down with whatever light I'm holding.
0: As Glom descended the creaky old wooden stairs with a small candle from the inn, he required a dexterity saving throw.
8: Twelve.
0: Glom took five damage as he felt a sharp pain in the back of his ankle. The smell of his own blood is only thought as he fell uncontrollably down the stairs, arms flailing until they found purchase in the solid dirt at the end of his journey. A mere ten feet below the entrance, but without the candle. Glom could only just barely make out that he was now within the dark undercroft, roughly the same dimensions as the structure Don't
8: above. do you... Halt! There may be a trap! Something cut my ankle! Are you alright? Just... Peachy! Uh, I think I'm fine. Uh, there's the light's out if Does anyone have a torch?
6: There aren't any torches up here. Of course there aren't any torches.
0: Just beyond Ildrix's view, Soren shot a hurt look that could not fully be translated in podcast form.
2: I said I had three.
8: Okay, it's dark, but Glan's gonna look around with a seven. Uh, there's a smell down here. Uh, oh, somehow worse than upstairs. Uh, bodies. Oh, great. More dead bodies. I also, uh, hear something. Sure it's nothing. Um, <clears throat> I might not be alone down here. Hildrex
6: jumps down, not using the stairs.
7: Gale runs down the steps.
2: Taking just a quick moment while alone, I think Soren might run back to the corpse. We need to know what Rousen saw when she died. We need to know if it was Rowena that did this.
0: Oh, you're probably right. Watching the others depart from view, Soren produced an old bronze lantern worn with age and tarnish, containing a small black candle. Without action, the candle flashed to life, burning with an emerald flame. Soul of oh, I command you to enter. Speaking low and incomprehensibly, the flame's light grew and grew, casting the old church into a hideous green. Time seemed to slow as the flickering light threw writhing shadows that made the old stone walls undulate like flesh. The splinters of charred wood and cloth squirmed like a mass of bugs. Unnoticed by those below, but consuming all of Sorin's focus... A familiar ethereal figure was pulled, screaming from the afterlife into the material plane back toward the charred corpse that she once occupied through the familiar dagger-sized hole in her heart, pushing back the muscle down into the bone and coagulated blood. The corpse began to twitch, convulse, and a tortured scream left her melted
5: lips. What?
4: foul magics who brought me back to this! Back to this broken body!
2: I'm sorry for your pain. Who killed you, Ralsei?
5: Sorry! You're... Oh,
2: it was so fast. So fast. Oh, that red-headed bitch! Was it magic or what happened? She attacked me.
6: You uh, dagger! I didn't even see her go for it.
2: If you're here, then you're not the thing that's killing people. Do you know anything about a monster? Perhaps in the basement of the church, maybe a ghost.
9: No, 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 not a
8: ghost. Sacrifices were made,
5: our prayers were finally answered the prophet came and one of us drank ah! drank out the blood the rest of us were not worthy please let me go
2: I told no one why did ah! you summon it? why did they drink the blood?
5: at first we wanted
4: vengeance for what happened then we are called to face justice for our actions you we were given the chance to avoid it. Ah, to rebel against our oppressors. Please, please let me go. I was too weak. Hurt no one. Ah, my only crime is finding solace in the pipe and bottle. Ah,
2: Not yet. Who are your conspirators and who are your oppressors?
4: My fellow villagers. oh
7: ill uh, hope! We had lost hope. Those who had children taken. Those from ordinary our oppressors.
2: Hell shields and their employers.
0: Sora noticed a slight shift in the wind as a brief flash of firelight came from the open trapdoor. Now unsure of exactly how much time had passed, Zorin's mind began to wander toward the safety of his
2: companions. Enjoy the void.
1: See
0: no! As Soren expunged the light from the candle, the burnt church returned to the physical realm. A sight of failed ambitions, lost faith. A place free from the tormented spirit of Rowson. Her soul, white as smoke, clawed free from her broken body. Ascending through the tall rafters like a pillar of choking haze, As Soren turned for the trapdoor. Meanwhile, ten feet below where he stood a few moments before this conversation began, Glom found himself in the dark confines of the Undercroft, the glint of two animalistic eyes in the distance staring back at him with hungry anticipation.
8: Who, who, who's there?
0: Don't come any closer! With a quick dexterity roll, Glom clambered for his candle, relighting it by sparking his wrist guard over his gorget. <sighs> in the dim glow, a woman stood above him two paces away, hungry and panting heavily. Wet and dried blood dripping over her toothy smile and down her chin. Her eyes, as red as the hood she wore, stared attentively at Glom, not as if he were a warrior, not even as if he were a man, but as a piece of flesh, a meal. As Glom's grip loosened from the candle, he did not notice Gale's magic pull the light over the woman, who was now clearly illuminated by its eerie flicker her gray tattooed skin wrapped in a tangle of cloth and belts, affixed to which a mix of arrowheads and spearheads jostled that gave clear indication to her breathing, proof that she was in fact very much alive. Her arms, however, impaled at the wrists and through the palms were a mix of metal, flesh, and dripping bone that twitched as they slowly rose to threaten the prone glom. But just before those bloody points could reach Glum's face, a shadow stood between the two combatants as Ildrix landed and began a flurry of blows, critically hitting the woman with a claw to the shoulder and punching her twice more for eight damage, breaking her nose and pushing back her small but intimidating frame. Grinning and licking the fresh blood, the woman locked eyes with Ildrix and lashed out at him, his arms instinctively blocking, mistaking her attack to be mere fists, as sharpened bone and steel cut into his scales, her own blood misting over the wound, forcing him to make a constitution saving throw. 17 Ildrix seemed hardly worse for wear beyond the loss of a few scales however the realization of the nature of her disfiguration gave him pause forcing him and Gale to make sanity saving throws 5 4 both Gale and Ildrix felt true fear as they pondered what a woman of such sadistic nature could do to them if they dared approach and each suffered 20 stress damage and as Gale finished her mage hand cantrip, she pulled Glom, who was drawing his sword, to his feet. Glom, clearly frightened as well, clumsily thrust his scimitar forward, catching the woman in her exposed stomach for 13 damage. Die, Fiend! However, this only seemed to shift her attention from Ildrix, as she grabbed the blade with both hands, pulling it further through her body and herself toward Glom, frothing teeth bared.
8: I let go, maybe backpedaling slightly, but I want to backhand her with my wrist guard and stab her with my silver dagger.
0: The wrist guard's edge cracked the side of the woman's head immediately before the dagger sunk into her shoulder. An impressive series of strikes that seemed to give her pause. But as the shadows danced in the hovering candlelight, Gail now stood behind Ildrix, shifting her terrified expression into a sinister grin.
7: And stabbed Ildrix in the back with her dagger. Twice. What a twelve and fourteen hit.
0: Something about the situation heightened Ildrix's senses and he was somehow able to feel the blade's presence even before it struck him. He dodged out of the way by instinct. As Gale's form spun by, stitches tore and her face slipped, peeling down just far enough for him to see the true features beneath. The deep, hollow sockets of the silent lord Ildrix had come to expect.
1: Do you seek the void, child?
6: Mm, Nope. I'm gonna try and... I don't know. Fire Breath, the silent one, who needs... A deck saving throw to avoid 10 fire damage.
7: As a
0: burst of flames struck the Silent One Glom and the woman, another shape dropped down from above. Soren, landing next to Ildrix, found himself in a very particular situation, where everyone around him was on fire in a basement filled with corpses. Silent one. Ildrix's Silent unconscious one. yelling Silent finally one. let loose a deep rooted fear, pulling Soren's sanity into question. Good
2: gracious me. I, I am frightened. It is six.
0: Frozen in place and wrought with 20 stress damage, Soren was immobile, joining the others well beyond healthy levels of stress. And now it was Gale's turn to act. Well,
7: having been set on fire, Gale is going to retaliate with an Eldritch blast. 14. Yeah.
0: The blast from Gale's hand put a hole in the stone behind where Eldritch's head was only moments before. He had dodged the oncoming attack. The bloodied woman used this distraction to strike at Glom, slashing his shoulder with her mangled arms for five damage and forcing him to make a constitution saving throw.
9: 16.
0: Seemingly unaffected and failing a perception roll, Glom, now on fire, looked back at Ildrix, confused.
8: <laughs> oh, so much better, Ildrix. This is lovely. Just what we needed. Now I'm burned and with an ankle problem. I attack the monster woman thing. Seven! More concerned with putting out the
0: fire than attacking the woman, Glom's half-hearted shield bash critically missed, giving her the opportunity to tackle him to the ground. However, after the quick flash of flames receded, Ildric saw that Gale had moved to the other side of Glom and thought he saw a second figure run off into the darkness that resembled Balmer.
6: I'm gonna let it go, opting to help Glom. As the woman sat atop a terrified
0: glom, her mangle of hands and bone forcing his jaws open, blood freely dripping down her crushed nose toward his face, the trickle drawing closer and closer toward his open mouth, until a sudden crack ended her life. A swift horizontal kick instantly breaking her chin and neck, sending her sprawling off glom. She fell atop her head, which was now wedged firmly under her back, and a tense silence filled the air as Soren’s turn to act came.
2: Sipping my ties.
0: Gail
7: threw herself on the floor and use her, her, her clothing to pack down the rest of the fire and Thank scowl you. at Ildrix. G- Glom, did you see what he did? He, he attacked me.
0: Glom began to slowly stand to face Ildrix, picking up the remnants of the
8: candle which was now burning on both broken ends. So Glom is moving in between Gail and Ildrix. And I would imagine
6: I- that Ildrix would be trying to move to help.
8: No, Glom does not let Ildrix approach Gale.
6: You've got a little, uh, something there, Glom? There you go.
8: Gale, are you okay?
7: No! We were meant to be able to trust him, and he just lit me on fire!
6: Yeah, um, sorry about that. See, what happened was, there, you took your face off. Like, you you had a face, and then you took it off, and it- No! Mm. No, no,
7: I've always had a face, and I I I don't know what you think you saw in the dark, but you just set me and Glom on fire, and that is simply unacceptable.
6: I realize it was a hasty reaction, and I wish to make it up to you by not doing it again. Do,
7: do, do you think we can trust him? I mean he 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 just broke that woman's neck. Brother, did you see what he did?
8: I did not. Uh, my heels Pretty bad. Uh, I was trapped under that thing, Gail. A creature. It was not a woman. Then I saw magic, fire, blood. As far as I'm concerned, Ildric saved my life. I think we need to just leave this room. We can talk about this later when we're safe. Uh, Can you move, Gail?
7: I. I I can move, but shouldn't we see what else is down here first?
2: I'm sorry, I seem to have missed the fun here. What happened? What were you fighting?
8: Ah, nice of you to join us, Sword. We were having a lovely time with this... monster... thing... lady. um,
2: Until Ildrix here decided to attack my sister. What did you see, Ildrix? You said she took her face off? Uh, yeah. There appeared
6: to be... a. Stitching, holding her face to her body that fell for a moment, revealing the face of the Silent One.
7: You're being ridiculous. I don't even use foundation, just eyeliner and occasionally concealer. Maybe some skincare products to keep the wrinkles away.
8: Proper skin hydration is really important, uh, even as a knight. Uh,
7: <clears throat> the sun can do terrible things to you. He's clearly had too much ale. N-
6: not a, not, that's not a lie. I may have had too much beer. However, my eyes have been known to always show me the truth.
2: I... I really understand what you're going through right now, Hildrix. Which is why I'm going to have to ask the two of you to understand. Ildrix has shown himself to be a true friend, even if he's made a mistake just now. We've all been through a really terrible situation. No, strike that. Some of the worst days of our lives since we've met and, well, Ildrix may not have been entirely to blame for his actions just now. Mistakes like this in a a dark murder cellar lit only by a confusingly broken candle, they they happen. And we need to forgive him because he only wanted to protect us. We need to give him another chance. I'm so sorry you got hurt. Me too.
6: I'm sorry
2: fine.
7: Was this the ghost we were meant to be killing? Is it this thing?
2: I don't know how to tell you this, but I've spoken with uh, Rousen. Apparently this creature that you've so beautifully killed, that looks painful. Uh, apparently they were keeping it sealed in here t- as a sort of executioner, I suppose. I'm... I'm sorry, Sorens. you spoke with who? I... You know that charred corpse upstairs? She's very lovely.
7: So you were dead, and now you speak to the dead.
2: Well, I've always spoken to the dead, even before I was dead, but that's a very long story. While this conversation is happening,
6: I'll uh, look around the room, particularly the corpse behind the dead woman that only Soren and I can see, because dark vision is awesome. Uh, Twenty, not natural.
0: Ildrix scanned the room carefully, bracing himself mentally after his encounter with the mutilated woman. In the cramped darkness, a filthy room of smoke and musk, his eyes immediately set upon a small pit filled with humanoid remains, partly consumed, mismatched, and aged by at least a few days. Disgust-
6: yeah, very interested in those. Uh, Eighteen for sanity. Ildrix has seen his fair share of dead humans this week and isn't too upset by it. Two-foot-deep pit fairly wide. Uh, A few dead humans. Hellshield iconography. Oh, Bones from something chicken-sized. Yep. Yep. Chicken. Uh, pretty fresh, too. Um, minor trinkets. I really don't feel like reaching deep enough into the pit to get uh, seven or so copper, three silver, two gold. Uh, They're pretty deep in there, too, so I'm not reaching for them. Oh, a little band with a half moon or something on it—maybe uh, a friendship bracelet.
2: A what? A friendship bracelet—a token worn to honor the time and energy one puts into an important friendship. This is the one I asked made for me when we were on watch together for the first time.
6: Okay, well I'll uh, I'll pick that up and uh, walk back and say, as curious as it is that Soren can speak with the dead, the side quest story checks out, and it seems like there's a few. Uh, Possibly a few remains here. Oh, and then, uh, has anybody seen this before? And I'd show the group the symbol on the bracelet. Also, again, very sorry.
8: Yeah, I was going to say, I think we're sort of skipping over a major problem some of us are having right now.
7: With a history check of 14, that has to have something to do with the ore shadow, or perhaps the darklands. I wouldn't keep it as a friendship bracelet.
8: So Glom just sort of half turns to Gale but he's keeping his eye on Diltricks uh, Gale this is our chance to part ways head south maybe meet back with Sir Percy things things could get worse traveling with this bunch of weirdos
7: i think once you've been set on fire things can't get much worse
8: <laughs> if you say so Gale
0: For those listening to the podcast without visuals, Ildrix opened his mouth four or five different times to speak, raised his hand, almost spoke again, and closed
8: his mouth with a terribly defeated expression. So let's assume that, as in the forest, we can't trust what we see. Perhaps we could have a rule that we don't attack those of us in the party unless we're attacked first. How's that sound, everyone?
7: Sounds perfectly fair to me.
6: I guess I left out the fact that she did attack seemed like she attacked.
0: Three sets of eyes stared at Ildrick's.
6: I'm not justifying anything. No excuses. We're good. We're good. So about that rule? No attacking the four of us first. I can agree to that.
7: And just so that we can put this issue to rest, is there any way I can prove that I'm not the silent one? Maybe with-
8: Gail? Maybe I can- Would you please show everyone that you don't have a stitches in your neck?
7: Okay, um, and Gail holds down her neck to uh, show everyone, holding her, her gloved, slightly charred hands. Um, fuck, it's just me. Um, there's nothing to see.
2: Yeah, I don't see any stitches, but uh, you have really good skin.
7: Like I said, skin care routines and hydration.
2: Never miss a day. I mean...
8: <clears throat> there's one detail I'm still struggling with, Soren, how you talk to a corpse without using witch magic.
7: One moment, Glom. So, you spoke, I'm sorry, I'm finding this very difficult, you spoke to a corpse, and it talked back. Um, what did the corpse say to you, Saren?
2: Well, the corpse seemed to imply that the Hell Shields may be oppressors of a sort, or perhaps retaliatory enforcement of laws broken. Not exactly welcomed visitors, either way, if I understood correctly.
8: I can't believe the walking corpse is the sane one in this moment. And and why... why did they want us... You said this thing was being kept.
2: By whom? It appeared to be made, somehow, by the villagers themselves. Uh, I've seen something similar before. Those infected by his blood. It takes particularly vile acts to bring this sort of thing about. Anyway, the corpse, Rousen identified herself as a part of a group of villagers that had lost hope. You you all keep talking about all this uh, really good stuff. Uh,
8: I'm going to go look at the bodies. Glomp gives up, trying to stitch up his foot. um, Takes a few steps towards the corpse pit uh, and rolls. And, okay, it's not a seven. It's an eight for sanity. Well, yep, that's a pile of bodies. What do we got down here? Uh, Well, these look like bodies, normal bodies. Oh, that's... Oh, those are... Oh, oh, well, that's not an arm.
6: Uh, While this conversation is going on, Ildrix really isn't paying attention to what's being said, but more has, like, eyes on Gale. Is like watching her.
0: Another stare that could not be translated to podcast
6: form. Not like, not like weird eyes. Don't be weird about it. I'm just watching for any change in either appearance or demeanor or anything like that. Um, and insight and perception are the same. That'll be sixteen.
0: Gail rolled a dice for no particular reason.
7: Uh, sixteen. Rats.
0: Leaning over the festering pit of corpses and fluids proved to be too much for Glom, who took five stress damage and began to vomit on top of them uncontrollably. (coughs) However, at the sight of vomit, even his own, Glom proceeded to vomit even harder, as, for him, vomiting was generally contagious. Oh, the
2: smell. I can't smell vomit.
0: (gasps) After emptying the contents from both his glass and Gale's merlier, because he did in fact say he drank both, he noticed the symbol of Ukathe in flames, the emblem of the hell shields, stamped onto a breastplate, branded onto a piece of skin, stitched onto a coin purse, all of which were now covered in Glom's previous meal.
8: Sorry, were you, were you looking for something? Glam uh, walks back, wiping his mouth on the back of his uh, gauntlet. Nope, no, I'm all good. Just bodies over there. Good. Uh, so, we've killed the ghost. What, what are we supposed to do now?
7: Well, we were promised a reward. Should we, um... Should we return and oh, yes. claim what's ours?
8: More of
6: that ale. Did we want to bring the corpse to them as proof?
7: If we want to get paid.
2: Right. Doing so might put the villagers at risk.
8: So, 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 no then. If we can bring it out, are there any? We, I guess. Are
7: we bringing morality into this, or do we just want coin? We were hired to kill a monster that Sorin made it sound like might have been some kind of protector for the villagers
2: certainly seems like it's sort of a, an emergency measure of sorts. Huh. I don't know, maybe this abomination was their weapon. Uh,
8: either way, I think it's likely the Hell Shields didn't know what we were walking into.
7: Agreed. So, potentially, now we have just destroyed the thing protecting the villagers, we're responsible.
6: So, we've seen maybe twelve villagers in this town, apart from the Hell Shields, They seemed like... The normal villager sort. Doing villager things like sweeping dirt, carrying brioche,
8: petting woolly ibex. It strikes me that perhaps we should have asked one of the villagers if they were being horribly treated or taken over by these hell shields. but do it right now. Another hasty reaction. Sorry, I'm just really
6: fond of side quests.
7: So, since we've already killed the thing, perhaps we should turn it in? I mean, what's the worst that could happen now, given it's already dead?
8: I don't know. But I think, I think you're right. I think we should go and get the reward or whatever it was, the free room and board, and... Was he not going to tell us... Twenty gold. Ah, twenty gold. And I believe he was going to tell us the letter he had written. Contents of a note for the larger
2: bounty we're hunting. Can I give one more sweep of the area just to sort of... Look for anything out of place? Exits, etc.?
7: Sure, Eldricks didn't let Travis finish the description. I I mean, Eldricks got distracted by the corpse pit. So, there could have been something important we missed?
2: Hmm, 19. So, I see a few things of interest. A small hole we could crawl into that goes a bit deeper than I can see. I think only Gale could fit into it. If I had to guess, I'd say it goes east, perhaps in the direction of the blacksmith... Also, uh, oh, this is interesting. There appears to be an actual stone passage we can all fit in. Yeah, behind this burlap tapestry thing. Hmm. right here. I almost didn't notice it. That's
6: where I thought I saw someone run during the fight.
2: Hmm. Well, looking around, there isn't a trap behind the stairs, but, oh, there's a great spot to hide and cut someone's feet as they walk down. That's a good point. I'm pretty sure that our culprit snuck past us during the fight and fled down the larger hidden passage, so follow me quietly as you can. The team did not question Sorin,
0: following him into the darkness, and they soon heard a muted groan of wood or stone being dragged in the distance. The sound stopped almost as quickly as it began, and after only a minute or so of walking, they came upon a trapdoor above them, under which was a ladder.
3: Hmm.
0: Glom gave a silent hand signal before attempting to push the door open, failing and realizing that something heavy was blocking their exit. Thus, a skills challenge began. Skills challenges are similar to combat, and simply put, the number of collective successes or failures will either take the party closer or further from their intended goal. I'll explain these in greater detail in a future episode, but for the sake of runtime, this episode currently being slated over 12,000 words, I won't add anything unnecessary to it.
2: I'd like to just run at the door and start pushing, because obviously somebody has to. Uh, I'll follow and help.
8: Glom's in there too with a strength of 20. Glom actually
2: should probably be the one bashing the door if his foot didn't hurt so much. An assisted strength roll at advantage with a 19 and a 2? So 22? The trio moved in unison, physically
0: shattering the wood of the trap door and causing the heavy blockage above to fall down. A mix of charred brick, weighted stone, and part of a pulpit fell dangerously toward them as they began to emerge into the fresh night air. However, Ildrix's quick thinking and strength pulled Blom and Gale out of the way. Due to failing his role by the slimmest of margins, Sorin was struck squarely in the face, the team's first failure against their first success.
8: Pulpits. Glom is trying to come up and draw his bow to peer out and see who that, who's there.
0: Hobbled, having expended his double-ended candle earlier that evening and holding a bow with a readied arrow, Glom rolled a four, the team's second failure, sweat stinging as it brought heavy streaks of black eyeliner into his eyes. He could only make out the lights of Ilmitter's Hope in the distant night and the smell of fresh briage wafting from somewhere nearby. Gale followed close behind.
7: With a 19, Gail is employing her arcane arts to track whatever it is. I can see something running in the distance. Follow me.
0: With their second collective success against two failures, the next roll would decide the outcome of the skills challenge. The trio continued in a full-out run, but ultimately Soren's luck had run just short again as he tripped over a rope tied between two sturdy trees and was swiftly struck in the face Ow. by a small branch it seemed Ow. to trigger somehow. Why does this seem familiar? Gail, Ildrix, and Glom hopped over Soren and noted that the creature, perhaps humanoid, appeared to be running toward the dead pines at full speed. They felt that they could not easily catch this individual or creature until perhaps half a mile well into the dead pines, and thus the skills challenge concluded in failure.
6: Okay, yeah, calling it here. We are not following them. <laughs> there you are,
8: Eldrix. Did you, did you see who it was? Oh, oh, my ankle is, my burned ankle still I, hurts, Eldrix. I did not see who it could have been. It was potentially
7: human. It was running. Running fast, but it went straight into the woods.
2: Yeah, yeah. Just one figure? A
0: voice from the floor asked. Ildrix took a deep breath, exhaled, and replied a moment later, immediately fully recovered from his sprint.
6: Yes, definitely
2: one humanoid in shape. Do you think one human person would have been able to... Try to barricade the door with the pulpit like they did?
7: They would have needed help.
2: Seems odd. I'm just curious because the Silent One, assuming it was, our charming, faceless Hellion, typically works alone. Assuming it's not actually Gale, of course. No offense intended.
7: None taken, but it's really just me.
2: I did not see a second creature. Can I find tracks? 23. Glom
0: backtracked ever so slightly and made a discovery.
8: There was more than one. Look, here. A second set of footprints back this way. Both barefoot. Somewhere in size maybe between an elf or Uh, half-dwarf. What do we know? They both had two feet, ten toes, and there were two of them.
2: Is that helpful? Interesting.
7: Why would they try to track us?
2: Well, there's the basic betrayal. Perhaps the Hell Shields didn't want to pay us, but they seem fond of their boots. And it would be just plain strange for them to work with the creature they hired us to kill. And then there's something about Rowena and Sindri enlisting the help of children to do something. I ah, forget. Uh,
8: yes, Sorin, story is very important. However, right over there... A door just opened and closed, and these footprints lead right over there to that house where that door just closed. I turn. A quarter of a mile away, a door clearly
0: closed on the house furthest to the right, a small cluster of homes.
2: Should we follow? Might be a good idea.
7: Yeah. I'm good for some answers with a side of revenge.
2: I will head that direction.
8: Glom limps along
0: behind. The team walked toward the small cabin, its orange timbers and smoking chimney, housing unknown sinister secrets within. Its singular window was closed, a brown curtain drawn before it. and its only entrance, a plain door painted red, seemed almost too simple, too mundane to lead to whatever fiends lurked within. Here, evil hid in plain sight, masked in the simple and mundane.
7: So, um, Glum, I I don't want you getting hurt, us getting hurt, just until your ankle feels better. Would you mind stepping away a little to, um, look back the way we came? Just to make sure nothing's following us?
0: Ildrix and Soren glanced back, clearly able to detect that nothing was following them. Ah, good thinking, Gail.
7: Okay, um, so while he's looking at the church, Gail will use Mage Hand for the second time tonight to gently open the door. And it's locked. Or stuck, but very likely locked.
8: No one's following us, Gale.
7: I wonder if we should check somewhere around the building for another window, rather than going straight in the door?
8: Well, Why doesn't one of you knock, and one or more of us can go to the back? I don't mind uh, knocking.
2: Put myself in harm's way, if you have my back.
8: Right. I'm just gonna hide. Right here. If anything happens, just say the code word. Glom nodded at
0: Soren and Gale and did his best to hide, in plain sight, behind a young tree. Six paces from the door. Are
7: you coming, Ildrix?
6: Yeah, I'll go around back.
0: Best friends, Ildrix and Gale were once again reunited in a shared task, walking toward the back of the cottage.
8: Gale, 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 watch, watch him, Gale.
6: It's the buddy cop, buddy cop movie coming.
0: On their way to the back, they passed a number of empty cages, large enough to house chickens or perhaps rabbits. Before reaching another window, curtains similarly drawn. As Soren knocked on the front door, audible clearly even at this distance, the curtain briefly moved. A pair of surprised eyes were just barely visible beyond before the curtain closed again.
6: Person inside? Your home is very small, so you cannot be very large. I am. And your curtains look like they could be lit on fire with ease. Perhaps you might want to open the front door and speak with our friend peacefully before there are further problems. We would just like to talk.
0: The front door groaned open, and Soren found himself face to face with a young human woman, a villager he'd seen before in Ilmutter's Hope. Her skin seemed so much darker when compared to his own gray hands, and her hair, wild and entangles all the darker. She held any fear of him in place with hatred, an expression that Soren found curious, familiar.
2: I'll attempt to hit the abomination in the face with my bow. Fourteen to hit, eight damage to its face.
0: Her face split open as an arrow cracked through just below the cheek, sending her screaming into the void. Then suddenly silent. Liasha. Soren's eyes flickered as they alone witnessed the child fall into the pit of that hellish bastion, until they again found focus on the woman before him. Barely concealed knife in one hand, unmistakable fury in her voice.
4: Dream carver Soren, what brings you to my door at this hour?
0: Soren simply forgot. He stood before the woman, confused. Stress, it seemed, had placed a strange spell over him as he detached himself from his memory.
2: Hold up my hands slightly disarmingly and just say, Hello, I'm sorry to bother you. <laughs> now, that's, that's polite, for the circumstances. I have no idea what to say.
4: How about what you are doing here?
2: Is she barefoot? Yes. No shoes. Barefoot. So i just like to kind of... With Glom, keep her in the doorway, not threateningly, but make it clear that she's not going to get past us. Are you a villager of Ilmater's Hope? Yes. How long have you lived here? She spat past Soren's feet.
4: Why would you waste my time with such pointless questions after everything you've done? Ah, uh, I, uh... Perhaps it is true how the travel has changed all of you. I have lived here my whole life. I was born here married here, had a family here, and after your failures, I am all that is left of that family.
2: I sense that we knew each other?
4: Not well, so I don't hold it against you. You you simply promised that you would help bring my children home among the others that were taken.
2: Ah, uh, you were the bunny lady, the family that worked with Phlegia. Yes. We...
4: We didn't have the heart to eat them when the famine came, and letting them go is the reason my husband is dead. What can I do for you?
0: The woman was near tears now, gripping the blade with white knuckles. Sorin saw the window for conversation closing.
2: How long have the hell's shields been in Ilmater's hope?
4: Long enough to take the inn, the stables, and the mayor's house.
2: Did they come as invaders, or as aid?
4: We are not subjects. Not, not peasants owing fealty to some wealthy lord who hasn't worked a day in his life. We are citizens of the Bright Vale, and we can take care of ourselves. Or do you ask such a foolish
2: question? Because you and I are of the same mind. Though it took me longer to realize the full nature of the situation here than I'd care to admit. My friends and I would like very much to be of assistance to Ilmutter's hope. I owe you that much.
0: The woman scanned her immediate surroundings before motioning for Glom to come closer.
4: Come inside. Yeah, all of you.
2: Thank you.
8: Glom makes a bird call sound that him and Gale use as children for all's clear.
7: When Gale hears the sound, she relaxes and makes her way to the front of the house without a word.
6: I, uh, follow, perhaps around, uh, just a few paces back.
0: The team entered the small single-room home, illuminated by the light of the cooking stove and a few scented candles. Fragrant hints of vegetable soup lightly danced through the air around a central table, bed cot, and three functional chairs. Remnants of a fourth chair and various torn pages from books were visible as kindling, within a pile of wood by the fire as the door closed quietly behind Ildric's.
8: Glom tries to find any kind of chair to just slide into.
0: Glom sat and stared at a small white and gray rabbit nestled beneath the cushion of the chair. No,
8: don't. No, stay With a sense of comical and highly
0: distracting rolls over the next few minutes, he was able to gain the hare's trust, enough for it to be held in his lap and calmly pet, restoring five stress damage.
8: It's actually quite soft.
0: Meanwhile, Liasha looked at each of the team with a silent, bitter sadness before continuing their conversation.
4: The one beneath the church was our protector. The strongest of us. More like the most unhinged.
2: We, we truly just want to help. We feel that we have a pretty good idea of what happened, but what we don't know is why it happened.
4: How much do you know?
2: Uh, some months back, all of the children in the village went missing. I went with a group of people to bring them home, and I failed. I'm terribly sorry. Looking at the number of chairs, you m- must have been among those that were hurt by my teams. By my failure.
4: What about our Lady Philgia? Is there hope that she could also return? The shields won't tell us anything, and the others who came back can no longer be trusted. Hayas was only looking out for his own son, after all.
2: I'm sorry to say that Flagia will not be returning under any circumstances. She was killed by some kind of dimensional trap. I wish I could explain it better. It was so confusing, even for me, but she, from what I've come to understand, was killed by some kind of evil version of herself. I'm truly sorry. I couldn't be there to stop it, close as I was.
4: She was a... my patron. The witch who scowled but didn't mean it. The teacher and friend who gave my family joy. She introduced me to my husband, you know.
0: (sighs) Liosha's disposition shifted as she glared at Gale.
4: Our future was taken. Our children were taken. My Daniel. My little Constance. We prayed to the gods who made offerings, but they would not help us. We begged our patron witch and prayed for days after she left. A stranger visited our village. A man, a prophet, who said that our children would not be coming back. He spoke with such certainty that it caused violence among us. Search parties were organized, new ones. Our best trackers, hunters, and trappers ventured into the dead pines to find any trace of what happened, and and of the three parties' sent, the only one to return from those cursed woods had no news. Our voices went raw from prey to the new gods, so eventually, as winter drew near and hope seemed
6: seemed crazy,
4: we prayed to the old gods as well. Yet none of them heard our pleas. Or perhaps they just didn't care, and so violence returned to our hearts. And to survive the winter without our best trappers, we had only one option left.
2: The old ways.
4: Some of the oldest villagers know of Saint who can sometimes be enticed to offer aid. He who is feared. He who quietly walks among us. He who sees all within the veil delights in our suffering. And and for his aid, we had to prove our faith. It didn't take much for us to be convinced, the whole village to be convinced. The stranger was charming, knowledgeable, and all of his prophecies came to pass. You must understand, he would say things and they would simply happen.
2: Who was this man? He
1: called
4: himself Cole. Though I don't think it was his real name, he spoke of a god older than the other gods, forgotten, older than time itself, one who would actually hear our broken cries and act if we but called upon his servants in the proper way. And the stranger offered us a way. It was a very dark winter, Soren.
2: This god that Cole introduced you to—do you know its true name?
4: It comes from a time before names. Yet we seek him, and the change he will bring with his passing.
2: I see. And what about his saint?
4: His saint is similarly nameless, though we refer to it
7: as the Silent One. Why would you ask that? Why would you ask something evil for help? They were the only ones who would help us.
2: So you're saying the entire village now worships the Silent One and the Nameless God?
4: Those that still live took part in the ritual. Well, it's broken many of them. I I also do not wish to dwell on what happened during the dark night. We are all ashamed of our actions, yet wouldn't do hell again if it wouldn't bring our children back.
2: I'm sorry I didn't return.
4: What good is any of
2: it? I'm so sorry. We we truly tried to find your children.
4: And now Lord Osmerk sends men to make us pay for our transgressions. He has no right. My husband went after you, you know? He was a good man. He liked you, but, but he wasn't a hero. Where were you for so long?
2: It's hard to explain we were beyond a a gate one where time moved differently for us it was only a few days in truth we were chasing as quickly as we could but it's it appears that some months have passed beyond the gate I remember you from before all of this you're not a bad person
4: none of us were
7: I, I am sorry for your friend's ankle You're remarkably well-spoken for a simple rabbit farmer. I'm... I used to be the primary teacher
4: for the Children of the Hope. I'm sorry. Regardless, you killed their only chance at freedom.
2: So, the woman in the crypt, the faithful, she was a villager before the ritual and transformation? Yes. And there was only one person given that gift during the ritual?
4: She was the only one among us with enough strength to drink the pot. She was the best of us, willing to do anything to help.
2: A desperate and terrible act. I'm sorry you were brought to it. And... I'm presuming that the ghost story was just a ruse to keep the hell shields away from the church so you could live your lives while a monster stalked them from the shadows one at a time.
4: When you put it like that, it sounds so much worse. Why <sighs> did you have to get involved? Why did you have to
2: help them? I'm sorry. In truth, we thought we were helping all of you.
0: With a 19 persuasion check, the woman looked up at Soren. Rage and hatred burnt out giving way to something else.
4: I sense the truth in your words. It hurts. I want to hate you. I want to take this knife and give my last breath to stab you. But I can't find it in me. I just feel so empty.
2: You don't have to forgive me.
4: But I do nonetheless, Zorin. I just don't know where to go from here.
8: Shh, the bunny is sleeping. But this is important. What can we do to help the village?
4: If you want to help us, you could kill the Hell Shields.
2: How many Hell Shields in total are there?
4: I believe there are
2: five. And how many villagers left?
7: Let's remember that these are turnip farmers, elderly trappers and widows. They stand no chance against five fully equipped and trained Hell Shields of the War Goddess.
2: We may be able to take five hell shields, he says, whispering surreptitiously.
8: Definitely, if they take their faces off. Glom looks at Hildrix.
6: The concern is not if we can take them. My concern is the presence of the Silent One here, and the reverence toward this nameless god as well.
4: Yes. Do you seek him? You have seen him?
6: I don't, uh, uh I mean, we've seen him.
4: Uh- our, our prayers might really be answered then. The world reborn into peace.
6: Good, 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 good. I uh, I hope you're right. Would it be too much to ask of you if we could chat in here alone for a few minutes? A lot has happened.
4: That will be fine. I will go borrow something from my neighbor and return in a few minutes. Thank you. Don't eat my soup.
8: Wouldn't be. So, Sorens, would you like to recap the lovely position we put ourselves in for our lovely
2: compatriots? Oh, well, I'd love to. It, uh, it appears that we've killed the only defense these villagers have against the, the invasion of mercenaries, whether these or the next band that comes along.
9: Yes,
8: and we left out the best part, I believe, which is they're worshipping the very god that had something to do with taking their children away in the first place, it sounds.
2: It certainly sounds that way. I know that fear and desperation can lead to incredible things. However, it seems that they are unaware that the cult of the Nameless God took their children. And at this point, I don't think that telling them would do much good. as It's literally all they have left.
8: So they now want us to kill the Hell Shields. In, in the name of the Nameless God.
7: Yeah, I, I can't say I'd be comfortable killing the Hell Shields and leaving the village in its current state. They're pretty much defenseless.
6: Maybe we tell the Hell Shields to find home elsewhere. Um, perhaps there's reason in approaching...
8: Well, normally I would side with the villagers.
6: Yeah, but but they're worshipping... No, we're in a... Uh, we're, we're in a rock, between a rock and a... It's a bad place we're in. Um, the Hell Shields might not know what these villagers have gotten into. And if they n- realize that maybe home is greener, the pastures are greener over the hill, they might just leave.
8: And then... Except we just took out the one creature they were afraid of.
7: Do they know that, though?
8: Oh, good point, Gail.
7: So if we continue to propagate the myth that there is still a ghost, then the Hell Shields may want to leave, or, or perhaps leave the villagers alone. We'd have to, of course, give up our reward, but the villagers retain their myth, and we don't have to kill any Hell Shields.
6: And we go about our merry way without the Nameless God, and without the killing
8: the Hell Shields.
2: Hmm. Feels wrong. I think it feels wrong, because there's the possibility that someday they might find out that the ghost does not exist, or was not what they believed, and returned to kill the entire village. And also, are all the villagers worshipping
8: the Nameless God or whatever, or are there some who just want their children back?
2: She did say there were some in the village who do not follow the Nameless God, so there could be innocence in play.
8: So to go north is to accept gold from a group that are just taking advantage of defenseless villages. Can we not just leave this area? Do
2: we... We just walk away? I've been thinking along that vein. I. As tragic as it is, these people's children are never coming back. Their village is destroyed. The mayor is dead. Most people have already left. It is an upsetting situation, but not one we necessarily need to get involved with. It. If it's already at a dead end, I guess, is what I'm trying to say.
8: Do we offer safe passage for those who wish to go south?
2: North. And there is the concern, too, that if we do anything against the Hell Shields and want to continue north to find Rowena and Sindri and pass through Auden, that we would be branded as criminals of Eastwood, heading into a now-enemy territory if we take any action against the Hell Shields whatsoever. Again, a very hard, uh, a rocky, a rocking, um, situation.
6: Mm-hmm. Perhaps we can find out who is not, uh... Who is not beholden to the nameless
8: god? It's a small group. You wanna take a sense? Sitting in the house of one of their worshippers talking. We could just we could just just already
6: angry at us. We'll smooth it over. We won't (laughs) eat her soup before she comes back. That's step one. Step one.
7: I we've just had a small sip, and it's actually quite nice. But we mustn't have any more
2: do think we need more information, as dangerous as it is to go around asking questions without picking a side. I think we do need to talk to the villagers, find out how many are behind this nameless god, and I do like the idea of attempting, as long as we can, getting away with the ghost still uh, being in play as far as the hell shields are concerned. But that is a very dangerous gambit.
6: Yeah. Well, perhaps we just go back and say didn't kill the ghost we'll try again tomorrow and then we can go do a little asking you know are you about the nameless god
8: do you like somebody else hi have you heard the good book of the nameless god it's not so good or is it well there's a small problem in that the church has a wide open broken door down to a bunch of bodies with no monster mm mhm Mm-hmm. So the first hell shield that walks past it Probably going to peek their head down
7: I wonder if we can encourage one or two of them towards the church Potentially um, to create a situation where it would appear that there's a ghost in play there
2: Oh, I can make it appear as though there's a ghost in play I was gonna Don't s- you worry about that I was going to say, Sorrent, don't
8: you ghost? I could get some cards there
2: How long would you need? I think I could scare them off in 30 seconds
7: Well, summoning actual ghosts seems better than what I was going to suggest.
0: The door opened abruptly and the Asha looked at the team with surprised caution.
4: Sorry, the soup needs to be stirred. Okay.
0: She slowly walked through awkward silence and began to stir the soup.
2: We were actually going to stir it for you, but we didn't even want to go so far as to touch it that much, so yes, please.
4: Thank you.
8: All right, well... I will go and get a guard. Give me twelve minutes, you can explain to this lovely young lady how we're going to keep her myth alive.
4: Oh, the guards already think that the creature is still alive.
6: How... how... how do you know that?
4: Because you all died fighting it and disappeared.
6: What's in that soup?
4: Mostly water, but also carrots, parsley, and onion. Mm. I have discussed it with the others. You can have the soup. If you leave tonight, I can also offer you what we have from our town's communion coffers for gold.
2: You should keep that, regardless. Yeah. Um, if you, if this is true, if we leave tonight, what will happen to the Hell Shields? Will they leave town?
4: They'll stay here, but they'll stay away from the church, which will allow us to still meet in private. And if you're not going to kill the Hell Shields, then you should help us reinforce the story of the cursed church by departing under the shadow of night. Many saw you enter.
2: And what is your plan as a follower of the Nameless God?
4: I... I don't know what I'm going to do. But that seems like the most likely outcome.
2: Glom stands up.
8: Uh, You wouldn't happen to have any bandages of any kind, would you? I've got a nasty cut on my ankle.
4: Again, I'm sorry about that. Uh, yes. Here.
0: As the conversation continued, Liasha applied a small healing salve, then wrapped an orange bandage around Glom's ankle before helping him get his boot back on.
2: If we were, hypothetically, to remove the hell shields from the village, would you have any reason to continue worshipping this nameless god, or would things be able to go back to normal for you?
4: There are no children in this village. We have no future. The strongest of us are gone, and those of us that remain have very little left to live for. We'll be a ghost town within the decade. All we can do now is pray for a better world reborn into peace, free of strife, free of the pain we feel. We are no threat to anyone, if that's what you fear. With a ghost, the Hell Shields cannot turn our church into a staging ground for whatever they are planning, but without it we are defenseless. Let us simply fade away in peace.
2: Is there nowhere for you to run, no other village to the south you could flee with your friends?
4: The roads are dangerous. Not all of us have the resources to caravan, and fewer of us would willingly leave our home even in the face of death. This is all that we have left. You have four gold? As an entire village,
7: yes. Your foot is rubbed, Sir Vogelberg.
8: Well, Glomp sits back down. Okay, Gale, tell me when you figure this out.
7: So let's assume that we take your offer and leave the village. We continue on our way north, and you continue to propagate the story of the haunted church, now having consumed the lives of four additional heroes. Can we stay here for the night and leave in the morning? We've been through quite an ordeal, and we could really use the rest before going on the long hike to Auden. You, You
4: could stay at my cousin's house. It has not been lived in for a few months now. And it's north of town, just beyond the fields.
2: That may be our best option for the night.
4: If you agree with the plan, then I shall take you.
2: Can, can, can we bring some soup with us?
4: Mm, fine.
2: Just a spoonful.
0: Lyasha ladled a small bowl of soup for each of them.
8: Thank you. You don't have any ale, do you? Nope.
0: Lyasha guided the team even further from town, following the north road through the farmlands beyond the village proper. Five minutes later, they eventually came upon a small house in notably poorer condition than the one they were just in. Liyasha rummaged through her pack until she found a key and showed the team inside. A lone, partly torn mattress was the only feature of note beyond bare dirt floors, as the cabin had long been ransacked.
2: Thank you.
4: I will bring a chicken soup from my neighbor in the morning, and you can safely depart after you've had a full rest.
2: Just to be clear, we will leave in the morning. Like you've asked us to. Good luck. And again, I'm sorry.
4: I forgive you, Sarenarkwright.
8: Long, noisily slurp some soup. Let me tell you, every day gets better with you two. Thank
2: you. I, uh, I appreciate that. Oh, you're being sarcastic. Never mind. Sorry. I'm a little hurt. So, Achilles' heel uh, gets the mattress, I'm assuming? I don't mind a corner somewhere. There's a lot less guts and maggots in here.
7: It's certainly nicer than the crypt. Since it's just the one rim, I'll take the corner opposite Soren. I feel like we can just go to bed at this point. No need for a watch.
2: Yeah, I think we're good to just go to sleep at this point. Ooh, you know, I don't smell any sort of rotting presence with us anymore. Do you?
6: No. Now that you mention it, it... It's gone.
8: bomb slides down a few feet away from Gale, who's back against the wall.
7: Then let's not waste our energy. We'll need it for our walk tomorrow.
2: Sure thing.
0: And with that, the team rested indoors, recovering all remaining levels of exhaustion, as well as six points of stress damage, with their collective faith in one another secured. And it remained at the village of Ilmner's Hope behind them. Dark Dice, Chapter 6B, The Worst Kinds of Monsters. Featuring Jeff Goldblum as The Silent One, Peter Lewis as Soren Arkwright, Holly Billinghurst and Sean Howard as Galen Glom-Vogelberg, Russ D. Moore as Ildrix, Ryan Philbrook as Nettard, Erica Sanderson as Rowson, Juliana Gutierrez as Liasha, and Travis Vengroff as Dungeon Master. This episode had dialogue editing by Sarah Baczynski of Polarity Audio Works and Travis Vengroff. Produced with additional editing and sound design by Travis Vengroff, with mixing and mastering by Dane Leonardson. This episode featured music by Stephen Malin, Brandon Boone, and Travis Vengroff. To support this production and get access to bonus releases, music, world lore, art, and early access to future adventures and D and D materials, please join our Patreon at patreon.com/foolinscholar. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram as at Dark Dice Pod. This is a Fool and Scholar production. Thank you for listening.
9: A story of monsters, mystery, and myth. And the four adventurers who have banded together as heroes and as friends. And then he hears Val's voice from above, and then he basically feels better. Yeah. <laughs> who come together to make the world a little safer for their fellow mortals. Large creatures. I brought Hody! <laughs> yeah. yeah. We can't put yep. Hody in danger. Well, I guess it's hero time. Reckless Attack is a weekly, collaboratively built and character-driven D&D 5th edition actual play podcast. Join us at our table as we explore a homebrew fantasy world whose future is built on the mistakes of the past. A story of ultra giants and saints, legends and rediscovery, and stacks of frogs.
7: Chakras is building his own Ewok village. <laughs> yes, <it is. laughs> uh-huh.
9: Check us out at RecklessAttack.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.